We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andres Hale. He is back. He is in his seat yeah. in the flesh. Yeah. The seat is mad short. I understand. I'm so now you look five seat. foot two. Who are these tall people <laughs> in my seat, bro? Like one of the NFL players, I swear, always sits there. Right. And there you go. Better. I now feel better about my life. Now we're on the same level right. here. Um, nah, man, it's great to be back in studio. Happy New Year to everyone. It is 2022. It feels like 2021 and 2020 all over again, but whatever. We're in Groundhog's Day. It's great to be back. We had kind of our award shows three in a row. That was really cool. Wrapping up last last year, Dre, you picked Jake Paul knockout a year. I did the same on ringside. People crushed me. So now in the comment section, I'd be like, yo, Andreas Hale did it too. So if you get a bunch of angry people in your mentions, you know, I'm sending them that way. Send, dog, send them my way. <laughs> I said my piece. I, like, I said my piece about it. It is what it is. Oh, man. No, nah, but it was, it was great. Great time over the New Year's. Got to relax. Got to recoup. Now we are back. Everyone in production. Antoine, producer Cole, Bebe in the building. It's And Brian. Welcome to the squad, Brian. Brian, I'm going to figure out exactly what you do <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> technical director. He's directing the technical stuff. And I feel like that's very important. So, Brian, welcome to the squad. We will get you a nickname. I'm still working on Antoine's nickname as well. But don't worry about it, Brian. We're going to figure this out for you. Hey, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I haven't been here since we had this new background. Oh, the Titan Tron? Yeah. Like, we got this is crazy. Yeah. Like, I, now I feel for real. Like, before I was like doing a show. Look at that. Look, your, your face now, is first there. Of my all, face. I'm not We're you. not switching. But I can see myself, and you can see yourself. So this is good. I don't want to stare at you off. Like, all show, I would have to be staring at your face and staring at your face. So, like, two Andreas faces is too much. Really? I just need one of you. So well, I get to look at myself. Whenever I have a good take, and you're annoying me, I'm just look off. And just look at myself. That's very And not rare. pay attention to you. It, aren't you glad I'm back <laughs> to bring balance to this goddamn show? No. Since I've people been, enjoyed my hot takes you're when you were a liar. Gone. They're like, you got to bring balance to the world, right? And when I let you do your show by, the, by yourself, yeah. ain't no balance. It gets a little crazy. It's a little hot. A little bit. It takes a little Cole warm. Tried to, Cole tried to reel me in during the shows. You know, it's, There's only one man for that job. <laughs> I'm back. 
I'm back, goddammit. Man, so it's it's been great. Dre, what'd you do for New Year's before we get into like this hip hop discussion? I went to sleep. Like dead ass. Look, listen, listen. I was at home. I went, I went to uh, the party store because my daughter wanted to stay up for New Year's. I went and bought a bunch of stuff, brought it all home. Uh, I started watching like documentaries because I was catching up on TV and I was out at like 10 o'clock. No, 8 o'clock I fell asleep. I woke up at 11.56 wow. p.m. And then my daughter was asleep. And my wife was like looking like she was like, really? <laughs> so everybody <laughs> fell asleep, left her awake. Yeah, she was by herself. And then I woke up and I was like, try to wake my daughter up to count down. And she just yelled at me, Daddy, no. And I was like, all right. So we did Happy New Year's the next day because I recorded it on Hulu. And then I watched it again. And then we did Happy New Year's like noon the next day. That was my New Year's. I didn't do nothing. Incredible. You are so old. I'm, dog, I'm washed. I've been the, washed. The washest. Yo, the <laughs> last, my last New Year's party, we had a table at Marquis Marque for Drake. And oh. I went to that and I was like, never again. <laughs> ne never. I'll never do a nightclub for New Year's ever again. I'll never, like, none of that. I've I never been to the strip for New Year's. It's, don't. It's, no. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've missed that window. You don't it want that window. It's terrible. You can't get in anywhere. You got to, one year when I, we were younger, my boy went, he had to take a piss. He couldn't because nobody let him in the casino. So he pissed on, like, the strip. And I was like, oh, my God, we're going to get arrested. Yeah. And it, then, like, he got bit by some girl. Some girl, like, was like, Happy New Year and bit him on the neck. And I was like, this is just too much. So instead, my New Year's is for a the most Vampire part. New Year? Yeah, it's, listen, I don't do stuff for New Year's for this reason. The last good New Year's I had, DJ Muggs from Soul Assassins was in town. And he called me, and they had some at the Hard Rock Cafe. And he was like, it's private, so there's not a lot of people here. And we got, like, endless champagne, so you can just come through. He's like, come through early. I'll get you in. So it was, like, me, uh, my wife, uh, her friend, and her husband, her ex-husband, ex-boyfriend. I don't know. What he, what Yo, he's, he's not here no more. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't here no more. <laughs> and then we went, and we just drank for, like, five hours. That, but that getting on great. the strip was the problem, because you can't, there ain't nowhere to park. So I don't, I don't do New Year's. Yeah. Now it's COVID, so it's like, nah. I spent my New Year's in the airport because I was taking the wife, all the kids to Puerto Rico, see my grandma and grandpa. And we were supposed to fly out at 7 p.m. So I was going to be in the air for New Year's. Like 200 flights get canceled that night. My flight is one of them. Damn. So I'm like, yo, do I go home? Scrap the trip? Nah. I just get on my phone, get five tickets to a different flight that leaves at 1 a.m., to go to Puerto Rico. I was like, all right, cool. Just bought the tickets and sat there, like at the terminal, watched the fireworks outside, like the, the big glass windows, and hopped on the plane, ended up in Puerto Rico the next day and spent the next seven days on the beach. No, that was, this is the best New Year's I've had in a while. And I haven't had a vacation. Granted, this wasn't vacation. I worked every day. Why, why don't you take vacation? I don't this take vacation. Nuts. One, I'm the only person running ESPN Rings. So what? They got money? They, do they don't need money. you. No, it's not, it's not a need me. Like, I can leave the accounts, like, by itself, and, like, yeah. no one's going to complain. Like, I ain't going to get fired. But it's, like, a me thing. Like, it bothered me oh, if I didn't see stuff on their accounts. And then, two, I didn't have to use my vacation day. So I clocked in. Went to, I was taking meetings from the water in the beach. Like, Zoom meetings. What up? The Wi-Fi was the best in the beach, too. I don't understand how that worked. So, like, I'm on, like, white sand beaches. Just chilling, FaceTiming, waves crashing behind me. Looked like a, be like a Beyonce video. People on Zoom are like, 
what is going on? Like, I'm not chilling. Yeah, see, I don't do that. You know what? When I'm on the beach, you know what I do? My phone's in the room. Oh. Because I ain't oh. working. I take a vacation. Phone's in the room. I got to unplug. I'm glad the iPhones are waterproof now. Because I, I take my phone everywhere. I've done that before. I've actually been on the beach, had my phone in my pocket. I've done it three times. <laughs> <laughs> and got in the water and I was like, oh. This is why you leave it in the room. Yeah. Because if not, it's going to end up in the water. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's in my hand. But no. So yeah, that was I it. Take, I take vacations. I like, I told you, I learned this. I, when I break, I break. Yeah, I don't vacate anything. I vacate everything. <laughs> Y'all, like it's just me, my wife, and my daughter. Maybe family. Other than that, you ain't catching me on my vacation. Nah. Well, now, Clark County here in like Vegas are giving students five random days off this weekend. So my plan, I'm plotting to send my daughter to her grandma's crib because she don't got school from like Friday through next Wednesday. Yep. And I'm trying to figure out like where I can really go and take a vacation. Because the Puerto Rico trip, even though it was like great and it's beach and it's 85 degrees every day, it was like with family, I had to do family things, you know, stuff for my grandmother, all this stuff. No, I want to go and just chill, like me and the wife. So I may just... Send my daughter off for yeah. five days, and I'm looking at wine country. I might go to Temecula. Go to Temecula. That might be the way. I got I to gotta see how the COVID situation is over there. Yeah. See about the social. But, I mean, it should be all right. Little room, some wine. That yeah. might be my three-day weekend this week. I told you, Come my, back drunk as a skunk for Sunday's pod. My pops lives there, and when you go, when you get a room, and they give you wine in the room, and they have, bed, like, they have the breakfast, and then they have like all the wineries that you can hit, which are within like four miles of each other. Dunzo. Yeah, that might be it. So I'm, I'm okay. looking into that. Like right now on my phone, I have the rundown for this show. Swipe over. Wine country. Yeah. I've never been to a winery. I like I'm, I just started to get to your levels of bougie. Yeah. So you know this. Like I have never been to a winery. I still don't own a coat. All of these different <laughs> things. There's so, nothing bougie about owning a coat. This is like it. the wildest thing ever. Get a coat. No, it's unnecessary. We live in Vegas. You don't need a coat. Full disclosure, we, ain't doing this we have Sean Porter here shaking his head at me because <laughs> this is the best dressed man in boxing. So I, I can only assume he owns 300 coats. <laughs> it's some type of sports jackets coats, and such. Don't are, judge me, Sean. Don't judge me. They're dope accessories, right? You don't have to be cold. Like, it's not just a functionality thing. It's like when you got a nice fit on and you throw on a dope coat. I got to figure out what my accessory thing is going to be. I feel like it's not going to be a coat because I'll overheat quickly. But I do need, like, some type of accessory. Yeah, like, maybe I have to get into, like, a watch. <laughs> this is going to be horrible. This is something I don't think I've ever mentioned on this show. Oh, no. But, but I cannot tell analog time. Like, I can only tell <laughs> no. digital clock time. Wait. So the watch would literally only be for a fashion accessory. Because, I mean, I could if, like, I really paid attention and, like, try to figure it out. But, like, I can't just look at a watch and be like, yo, that's what time it is. So, not nah, like, then... Uh, it's confusing. But right. I might get into watches, but that's why I don't wear a watch either. Because it's just, it serves no purpose. Um, it does serve a purpose. If it's like an accessory, now it would be a purpose. Oh or you like, you have an Apple watch. You can't even yeah. talk to me. Your watch doesn't have hands. I could do that. But it does if I swipe. I have. Like, no, I see? All numbers. 1046. I got you. I know exactly what time it is. See? If it was a regular watch, like a normal watch, nah, like, it'd be useless. But I might do that. Different glasses. Maybe. Oh, you want to know when I was a, a glasses guy? When I was a kid, I used to, for real, this is the dumbest shit in the world. But I wanted a monocle so bad. 
<laughs> that was going to be my accessory. Because I was like, all the other kids are like shades on or whatever watches. I was like, yo, son, I'm going to get a monocle. A monocle <laughs> and one of them old ass watches that you flip open. Oh. <laughs> I was going to be like the professor of like Train Valley High School. And yo, dead ass. I was like, I was looking for monocles. And my pops was like, yo, you are stupid. And I was like, what? I want a monocle. I want to stand out. How does a monocle? I still what? to this day don't know how they stay in your eye. I, that's that's my question. Like, how does it stay? You got to squint the whole time? I don't know. That's all. That's a lot of work. I think I'm I feel gonna, like one eye gets tired, you got to switch it to the other eye and squint the other way. I think I'm going to still get a monocle. I'm not going to lie to you. Designer with your look now, I feel like you can pull off a monocle. Why the not? gray in the beard. You're, you're very wise anyway. And then flip the watch open? <sighs> you need a jacket with, like, tweed? Or in, like, the leather patches on the elbow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's real sophisticated. Yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah, that's Any like when you no teach socks? like when you teach courses in ten years. I'm doing it when well. they just they they have you be like a guest professor. Yeah. That's how you got to show up with just a monocle, yeah, looking like cold. the Monopoly man. All right, <laughs> but, I'll do that. Uh, <laughs> we've gotten off track. We always. Uh, I, I will. I will find an accessory though. It will not be a coat, but I will get into an accessory this year. That is New Year's resolution. How about that? Right. I will get into an accessory. I will let everyone know what it is. Uh, we came here to talk hip-hop, though, on this opening what, segment. Have you, you haven't told people what this show is today. Oh. Well, people are listening. I mean, the show they, they was obviously know. about clothing. Isn't that what it's always about? <laughs> um, so, on today's show, surprise, surprise, we're coming back with a pro wrestling show. Da-da-da. Because there wasn't much going on in boxing and MMA. People love for us to talk pro wrestling. We fit it in where we can get in. And so much has happened in pro wrestling that it's like, you know what? It's only right to come back and start with a pro wrestling show. So we have WWE Day Run, Day One recap. <sighs> Our brother E lost a belt. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about. Yeah, that. damn, they got him a, an action figure with the with the little suitcase with the string. Oh, that, on was, it. that was yeah, that, that was, was me and Johnny. That was genius, and yeah. then and then the belt is gone. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about WWE Day One NXT 2.0 at New Year's whatever whatever New Year's Evil Evil, yeah. which uh, we'll talk about that and. The turnover in the new phase of NXT. Um, new Japan Pro Wrestling had three days. Not one, not two. Three days I didn't watch of third. Wrestle Kingdom. You didn't watch the third? No, why was I going to do that? It was, I mean, there's like no stakes to it, but yeah, it, was, yeah. it was cool. Um, and then we had AEW, tons of, what, three shows in the new year already, moving to TBS permanently. And then we got to talk about Tony Khan. Tony Khan and Big Swole. Our girl Big Swole and the diversity Lack thereof, maybe, well, in AEW. I think I've done like a billion <laughs> shows. I've appeared on everybody's show this week about this. And I'm not done yet. Like, I do like three more shows talking about diversity in pro wrestling. Listen, so much there. So we have tons of stuff to talk about. Um, we have a UFC interview as well at the end of the show. as a little bonus for you guys because there's UFC coming up. So we're never neglecting that. We'll always love having fighters on the show. We are on a four-fight winning streak for guests. On the Corner Podcast. So we're going to keep that going um, into this weekend. So that's going to be really fun. So now that you know what the show is about, Dre, I want to talk about this thing that went viral yesterday. Or a couple days ago now. Someone, shout out to Nate and Nate Wrights. Uh, her name is Tay, I, I see, on Twitter. Posted this. I guess it's gone around several times, but it really went viral this past week. Kumo D. For youngsters, he's a rap. Like, like for the people who may not know Kumo D. He's, he's a really good rapper. Not like the rapper you guys listen to today. 
So Kumo D in the 90s, late 90s, 97, 98, released a rapper report card of all the rappers of the time. Mind you, put your head in this time frame, 97, 98. I was 10 years old, but I was immersed in the culture. Dre was a little wiser than me yeah. by this point. I was a teenager. Yes. So 97, 98, he graded out top 20 rappers and gave them like real like you're in school, report cards. Make sure you guys search this out on Twitter. If you're listening, follow along with us. We have Jay-Z, DMX, Master P, Big Pun, Snoop, Nas, Corrupt, Lauren Hill, Red Man, Keith Murray, Ice Cube. List goes on and on. Too Short, Black Thought. The best of the best. It surfaces now. Now, mind you, we are 20 years past this. Knowing where these people ended up. Incredible to look back on this. It was very detailed. It goes like a one through 10 system. He has like eight categories. Um, well, 10 categories because it's all the way up to 100. So Jay-Z is the first person he grades out on this report card. Gives Jay-Z an 82B. That is a B minus. Almost threw my phone out the window. Yo. Even in 97, 98. Let's see. Kumo D, you got to get out of here. Yeah, Kumo D's bugging. All right, so you have the categories of vocabulary, articulation, creativity, originality, versatility, voice, Record stage presence, sticking to themes and innovative rhythms. And he got an 82. And Jay-Z struggled on stage presence, which I can kind of understand. 97, it wasn't the greatest. Yes. Vocabulary gave him a 7. Now, here's another thing about this report card. I need Kumal D to learn how to spell rappers' names. (laughs) Because… Buster. We have Buster Rhymes. We have Most Deaf. We have Corrupt with a C, not a K. Black Thoughts. Uh, T-H-A-U-G-H-T. It's like, all right, we see, you know, I don't know if he wrote your rhymes or not, Kumo D, but Sticky Fingers. Yeah, uh, it's very proper on some of these. Yeah, Razzcast with one S, which is one of my favorite rappers of all time. Method Man, not Method, Method. But anyway. Razzcast, what do you give Razzcast? Razzcast gets a B plus 88. Yo, Razzcast. And Jay gets an 82? I mean, okay, so at this time, Jay has Reasonable Doubt. And in my, no, in my lifetime, it's not out yet. No, Reasonable Doubt. Just Reasonable Doubt. And he has three Stretch and Bobbito freestyles. He has the feature on Biggie's album already. Yeah. Um, and he was on someone else's album that he absolutely Foxy's album. Yeah. Well, stra- bodies. Yeah. Strangely enough, DMX had really hadn't even gotten started yet. It's dark as hell is hot. It came out in '98. Eight. So maybe one album. So when D- this is being graded, DMX got a B plus, and he got ten for innovative rhythms. I, I don't even know. What's innovative rhythms? I mean, I guess he does have a specific rhyme pattern. Is it, and he growls. Right. It's innovative. Like, I, that I cannot, right? Vocabulary for DMX, though, a seven. Yeah, that, I feel that. Stage presence. Stage presence carried him. A nine stage presence for DMX is still kind of blasphemous. Like, DMX, for my money, might be the greatest performer in rap history. I mean, there's a lot of energy in DMX selling that stuff. Him, Busta Rhyme, but Busta even had Flip. Yeah. So like, or Spliff. So he had Spliff and he had a hype man and it was like a two-man show. DMX was Dolo with asthma doing a show for like an hour, 20 minutes. Yo, son, he gave Nas a 84. We already had Illmatic. Hey, listen, listen, listen. He gave Nas a 84. Bucks, I got an 83. Kim got an 83. Puffy, for whatever reasons, on this list with an 80. Mace got a 79. Damn, why is Puff got an 80? <laughs> Master P got a 76. Let's be real. Puff got to be like 62. Like, he's, he's the long snapper in Madden. 
Look, he shouldn't even get voted I, anywhere near the 80s. The, the highest score went to Lauren Hill with the 97. So this is around miseducation of Lauren Hill. It is before, I think that dropped in 99. Nah, it dropped in 98. Okay, so if that had just come out, recency bias, 97 yeah. for Lauren She was hot. I mean, she was she hot. She was dope, yeah. But Corrupt got a higher score than Nas. Look, all I've learned here is rappers shouldn't score the rappers. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Murray got an 89. I like Keith Murray. Keith Murray was incredible. There is, there is no way Redman gets an 89, Keith Murray gets an 89. At the time, Keith was very innovative at the time. He ain't Redman? No, no, nobody's Redman. Like, again, this is Kumo cool D. LL Cool J's not he even on here. better. No, I mean, really, is Kumo D gonna put LL on this? Like, LL would have got a 55. Tupac is dead when he's on this list. LL would have been the, the guys in like NBA 2K or Madden where they just got the silhouette. They don't even got your picture. Like, they, wow. they just got the silhouette, 55, LL Cool J. He would just bury them. <laughs> it would have been so disrespectful. It, I mean, again, rappers, I don't, I don't know, man. It's Too Short got a 76. What I mean, Too Short is the worst rated rapper on this list. Lower him and Master P. What is Master? Oh, Master P got a 76. Mystical a got generous. a 90. Mystical got higher than Jay-Z by eight points, son. That's bad revisionist history. You know, like, what had Mystical done by then? Like, did uh, we even get like, shake? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. He, he hadn't done any of that yet. At the time, Mystical was relatively new on the scene. And he no had... No limit um, Mystical. No. This is before. Boot camp click Mystical. Wow. Yeah. 90? A Mystical, I mean, Mystical was hot at the time. He just didn't really give us a great album until he went to No Limit, which this is This is weird. one of those where Como D was like, yo, I'm going to write this. this. Yo, this is going to be gone by like next Friday. Who, no one's going to find this who shit. Who found this? I don't... How do you repurpose this 20 years later? Like, who was, like, going through some stuff was like, hey, Kumo D, I got your rapper report card. <laughs> the time capsule. Yeah, like, like all right, well, you know. It, I mean, it is what it is. Biggie got a 95. Biggie was second on the list. So I can't be too mad. Nah, Pac got a 93. I'm not a huge Pac guy. So, like, I, I, I love Pac. if we had to, like, go through, like, versatility, all right, what do you give Pac? A 10 for versatility? I mean... Uh, Pac, Pac was a passionate rapper, right? Sure. Articulation, okay, and get a 10. Vocabulary, 9. Oh, you I ain't messing that. with Pac with articulation. Um, nah, <laughs> not at all. Articulation Stage and alliteration? Doesn't. Pac had all that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. There's there's nothing really on here for, like, technical skills. Nah. There's no, there's no category for, like... Look, it's, it's, it's again, rapper scoring rappers, right? It's like me scoring a bunch of writers and then me getting real personal with writers I don't like and be like, you got an F because I don't like you. Mac 10 got an 83. Jay-Z got an 82. <laughs> Mac 10 got an 83. Yo, Mac Dime was dope back then. Kumo no, no, D is bugging. No, <laughs> He's lost his mind. You really like Mac 10 at a point? Yeah. For life. Yeah. <laughs> Mac 10, Bella through the hood with stride. Yes. Oh, that's when you had your curl. Yeah, I know that's boy. when you had your curl. Yes, I had my the curl. The curl was real curly, right? And I mean, I wasn't, I just, it was just that song, really. I was a J, like J. There's no De La Soul on here. He's got Black Dog, but he doesn't have Paz. Like, there's a lot of Sticky people Sticky Fingers is an 88. Sticky Fingers is dope. Remains dope. Not when Black Thought's in 87. Again, I could keep going through. The Black Thought thing is interesting because Black Thought was always part of the roots. Everybody knew who Questlove was. Black Thought being on this list means Cool and OD knows rap. But it's just like, I don't know. Because the roots are one of the, they are the greatest hip-hop band roots of all time. Roots already had joints by 97. Because things fall apart hadn't dropped by then. 
They were still working off of him. Of, Illidev Half Life dropped. Drop. Yeah. yeah, they had joints already. Umo D is bugging. <laughs> Umo D has lost his shit. He's got Snoop on there. What is Yo, not for nothing. I love Snoop's career. I love Snoop is what he's done. If you're breaking him down on a report card technically, I'm not, I'm not sure Snoop's over like an 81. Well, uh, we've talked about my feelings on Snoop. There's doggy style. Everything else. And then there's like 10 years of terrible. In 98? Dogfather, it came out. Uh, he hadn't signed a No Limit yet. Dogfather was a whack album. Yeah. Does Snoop have versatility? If we're being honest. I mean, Snoop rhymes the same exact way on every single track. He got a nine in versatility. Again, does Kumo D have versatility? Does he know what he, versatility is? He it, obviously ain't rating himself. Like, so yeah. he, he spared himself from a rating because then you're going into like, again, the 60s category. Only four people got 70s. Three. Because Puff got an 80. <laughs> like, Puff got an 80. Who's worse than, like, at this point. Who's worse than Puff? Master P. As a rapper? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Does, I don't know. Do you think Master P wrote his rhymes? Puff didn't write his rhymes. Well, no, we know Puff, Puff didn't write his rhymes. Like, he told us he um, didn't write his rhymes. I don't know if Master P wrote it, but again, I, I just watched I Got the Hookup, like, two weeks ago. Ooh. So, <laughs> there's some joints. Master P had joints. That was never a lone living for me. Y'all can have it. What? Never. Oh, well. I, how, are you a cash money? No. Well, a little bit. But nah, I like rappers who can rap. Nobody in No Limit can rap. They got Mystical, and I was like, well, Mystical could rap. Fiend could rap. The rest of them? Mm. I hated Silk the Shocker. Oh, God damn. <gasps> if I had to rate Silk the Shocker, Silk might get 42. On this, this list? This is made a number. Right. Now, now people going to come fight you. 42 for Silk. People love Silk the Shocker. I couldn't. What? People love, they love Silk. I couldn't stand Silk. I was like, yo, can you find the beat? Ouch! Oh, that's, that's all bad. That, again, for my Madden references, this is like after you hit the draft and then there's an unsigned free agents. He's the punter that you didn't get in the draft. <laughs> he's like 42, all the way at the bottom. Oh, no, boy. Silk the Shocker. He's arguably the worst rapper in the history. I mean, new kids excluded. <laughs> like, because yeah, now, like, shit has gotten like off yeah, the rails. Yeah, no, he's, but, like, he's pretty bad. Blueface just made him like ten million dollars off his style. So what can yeah. I say? These new kids don't care. But like, twenty ten before, he might be the worst rapper in Yo, the history. Of rap. My mention is gonna be on fire for this too, because people Some, love Silk the Shock, and I, I just don't get it. Ah, it's not for me. Not for me. Um, we can talk about this list all day though. But so much pro wrestling to get into. A great UFC interview to do on this show. Can't rap about it. No pun intended. Um, all, all shows. So let's hit our first break. When we come back, time to dive into WWE. We're going to talk day one. We're going to talk about E dropping the belt to Brock Lesnar and everything else that has happened since. Don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, we are back. It was fun talking hip-hop in the first segment, but so much pro wrestling to go. Still an amazing interview. Caitlin Chukagan from the UFC coming up later on in the show as well to close it out. Dre, we're going to start with uh, WWE. Why? Why not? Okay. WWE, we go into WWE day one. The matches are set. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. We have a fatal four-way. For the WWE title, Big E, Seth Rollins, uh, Bobby Lashley, Kevin Owens. Yep. Those are the four. Cool. We're set. That week, Roman Reigns, which is something they rarely do. No kayfabing it, no nothing. Says positive for COVID. I won't be on day one. The day of. Day of. Day before. The day before. Day before. No, no, it wasn't. It was a day of. It was a day of. It was that morning. Cool. Post this. Matches off. First thing I think. Matches off. We'll see Brock Roman next Friday. 30 minutes after. WWE. Breaking news. Brock Lesnar is added to the Fatal 4-Way. He's not on Raw. To the Fatal 4-Way. All right. Cool. They pay Lesnar for the night. Maybe they want their money. We get to the event. WWE day one. I'm skipping straight to this match. Main event. Everyone looks good. First problem. Everyone comes out. Entrances. Big E comes out. New gear. Looks good. Doesn't come out last. The Beast Incarnate comes out last. Brock Lesnar comes out. Usually in the spot reserved for the champion. Yes. That's a red flag. Go through the match. Big E starts off hot. He's the one getting everything rolling. Red flag number two. It's never good when you get your moves off first. Nope. Ever. Means you, you in for a quick night. Cool. You get through the match, some good spots. Kevin Owen has a crazy spot where he dives into everybody. Great. Lesnar was bumping for a little while. It's like, all right, Lesnar might do the job. Maybe not take the pin, I lie. But maybe he'll do something. Be outside of the ring. Seth Rollins can take the pin. Who cares? But Seth loses. Cool. Everyone's spamming finishers. See Big E have Bobby Lashley right there. Got it. Lashley's done. Big ending. Decides not to pin Lashley. Looks up. He specifically wants to pin Brock. Brock comes in, reverses it, F5. Good night. New WWE champion, Brock Lesnar, laughing, Paul Heyman, laughing, ringside, enjoying himself. Brock Lesnar, who was on SmackDown, maybe, I guess he's a free agent, whatever, who has a program against Roman Reigns that they've built since the summer. The one day, decided to put the belt on him, the WWE champion. And people love it. Yeah. Vince is never going to stop. No, why because would? people love it. And you know what? For the first time in a long time, maybe I think we're weird. Maybe this is the right decision. He aside, because you know we love you. But when the people say they love it, that Brock gets a million title reigns, somehow Randy Orton gets a million, that the same four people hold titles forever. And everybody else is just... AJ Styles was a transitional champion. 
in this company. They used Daniel Bryan, where he went to the, let's save the green earth in the hemp title, yep. transitional champion. They built the Fiend for a year. Lost to Goldberg, mm -hmm. transitional champion. Everyone in that company is a transitional champion. Except four people. Might be generous with four. But Reigns, Lesnar, it's about it. Currently. You can stick, Goldberg Roll, comes you can stick Rollins in there, too. Rollins, Rollins hasn't held the belt in five years. He'll get it again. But, I mean, guy hasn't been a champion. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I get what you're saying. Um, Three people. Goldberg. Goldberg has held the title, Dre, three times. Yeah, yeah, I know. In the past three years. Bill Goldberg. I know. Everyone else is expensive. Mm -hmm. and people love it. Maybe I'm wrong. Where, where do you want me to start? All right. So, obviously, I'm not going to do a bunch of inside baseball here because he's my friend. But let's talk about it from a fan perspective. SummerSlam. Yeah. We were there. Yes, we were. Bianca, supposed to wrestle, yeah. Sasha Banks. This was not that, but correct. But, I'm, I'm, but you see where I'm getting at. Yes. I see a pattern. <laughs> Sasha… Possibly test positive for COVID. Allegedly. Pull it from the match. Yep. They insert Becky in. Day up. Becky nukes Bianca in um, like, a, was it 13 seconds? Yes. Pinsler gets the title. Was never in the plans. Panic booking. Yep. It's like, oh, we got to get her on the car. We lost the main, we got lost this match and this is what we do. This is pretty much the same thing. You lose Brock against Roman, which is your big draw. Yep. You want to get Brock on the show. Then you look and you go, well, stick him in this match. We don't care about these four. At all. Now, people say, I can't say that. They care about them. They are not him. No, I mean, look, look. Here's my, my They're argument. They're second tier. Make things matter, right? It didn't matter. They put Brock in the match. As soon as Brock came out last, you knew what was going to happen. Yep. Matter of fact, when you put Brock in the match, you, know. you knew what was going to happen. Now, taking away my friendship from E, this is about value. Like, some people are like, this is racist. And I was like, it's not racist. It's about value. It's about valuing somebody what they've brought to the table. Biggie won the championship in a counter-programming action. He cashed in Money in the Bank against Monday Night Football. Yeah. Right? Wins the title. Now, granted, I've had my hand in helping him with some of the things that he's done. But he's done some things on his own. Obviously, Big Noon, everything else. We've done the walkout with Sean. Who's here in the studio? And he's probably done more mainstream than any other champion in recent memory. Yeah. Yet in Sasha Banks excluded. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sasha, She's obviously a Mandalorian, a but she, yeah, yeah. she wasn't a champion. But Big E took that title and made it mean something as far as in the mainstream. You see this guy who's extremely charismatic, right? He looks the part. But it's about value. So no matter all these things that he just did, they said, well, Brock's more important. Than that. Yep. Right? We're going to put him on last. You're going to drop the title because we panic booked. And we needed to figure out how to get the title on Brock. Is Brock being champion a bad decision in a vacuum? No. My problem with this was Biggie lost the Survivor Series of Roman Reigns. Biggie now loses to Brock at day one. Biggie ate a pin in like some tag match with, yeah. with Roman. And, and then he lost some other match along the way. Your champion's eating pins left and right. Did he have to take the pin in day one? No. Kevin Owens could have ate the pin. Yeah. Nobody would have cared. No. Seth could have ate the pin. Anybody could have ate. Bobby could have ate the pin. But I know that this is, this is Vince's wet dream. Oh, yeah, yeah. He saw this. It's been a brewing. Like, yeah, he was like, oh, I'm going to. Uh, oh. 
Yeah. This is my match. But E now is, is in a position where it's like, well, I did all this stuff for you. And it got taken away because Roman got COVID. And you needed to find somebody else. And you went back to what you know, which is Brock. And people's like, you know, a lot of people's like, that's racist. It's not racist. It's value. They didn't value him as a champion. And that, now they and you know, people are like, well, he'll get it back at the Royal Rumble. I just watched him eat a pin on Raw again to Seth Rollins. Yeah, that was one hell of a match. But it had, there was no announcement. It, it, they, it's kind of like, remember when Stone Cold was like, I'm taking my ball and going home. Yeah. They wanted Brock to, to, they wanted Stone Cold to put over Brock. Stone, was, Stone Cold was like, nah, I ain't doing that. Took his ball and went home. It feels like we're in the same position where it's like, why you didn't even advertise the match? He eats the pin. And people are like he'll be fine. Y'all just said that about Bianca. She'll be fine. She just coming back. Yeah, and, and I Bian- mean, she right now, kinda, kinda like she just lost in the triple threat match because Dewdrop's getting the opportunity against Becky at Royal Rumble. Yeah, but that's just a space filler. Because you need Bianca to be like in the Rumble, so like you need that space. Which, which is fine, but the problem is you never know what Vince is really thinking because he tires of wrestlers pretty quickly. Yeah, I. I think, granted, he does tire of a lot of people, right? But I think he has proven himself to be in that second tier, that other echelon. The Seth Rollins, the... I don't think he's on Seth Rollins' level. AJ Styles. I don't think they, val- I don't think they value E like they do Seth Rollins. Seth is tough because he's tied to what is still the shield in yes. that faction. So maybe Seth is on Roman's level. But, well, he was on Roman's level. Uh, Seth is a tweener in between. How about this? But we have the Kevin Owens, who I think they value. Mm. AJ Styles, they value them. Vince isn't going to tire of them necessarily. He can put them on TV for the next five years in some way, shape, or form. Other people have does not do not have that guarantee. They can be cut tomorrow. Yeah. He doesn't tire of them like that. Shout out to Apollo Crew. Ooh. Um, stuff can get real ugly. He's not there. I, I think he is in that, yes, he can get another title shot. Maybe another title run. Maybe another two. But they're all going to look like this. Asuka's had several yeah, on value. the women's side. Value. It's the same. Um, Alexa Bliss has been in this role. Story's on TV. Yeah. Well, she he, just came back. Yeah, but he values them enough. But you're not... In the women's side, you're not a horseman. You're not the favorite kid. You are not. And that's clear. You, you are great. You are valued by this company. You're not Brock Lesnar. You are not Roman Reigns. So they think he had a great title run as a champ. It was because he only lost to the two untouchables. And in programs to further with the two untouchables. So like, yo, Big E, we kept you safe. We protected you. Versus everybody else. You beat Lashley. You beat other people, but you can't beat them. You ain't that. And that's the problem they're going to run into is because they only have two of those. You have to have more. So it's a wild card. Uh, yeah, you don't know. He might be gone tomorrow. But, but look, <laughs> you never but know. Here's the other thing about E that is important. Again, we talked about all this mainstream stuff, but Roman Reigns ain't doing the Breakfast Club. Roman Reigns isn't doing black media like he was doing black media. Now, it's very clear that WWE is now trying to put a spotlight on black wrestlers. And he's done more media in various outlets, not just your typical straight up and down wrestling outlets. He is everywhere. How, how can you not value that? 
And people say he'll get his chance back, but he didn't need to lose this match. You could still run the Brock. Brock is a guy who doesn't need the title, right? Yeah. There, there's, there's, he doesn't necessarily have to have the title. Does it look great on him? Yeah. Is he, is he fantastic in this babyface lumberjack Lesnar role with Paul Heyman where they're cutting promos and cracking jokes? It's great. But, I, you know, the best things in WWE happen by accident. I'm not sure if this is it. I think Brock is going to be great. I think Brock and Lashley is going to be great. I just don't know where it leaves E. I really don't know where it leaves Kevin Owens. It feels like he's just the cold man out. He re-signs his contract. And he, I know in his head, he's like, I'm getting a push. I'm in this title picture. No, you're not. As long as Brock's there, he's eating up everything that's involved. So I, I don't know. But my bigger problem with WWE is bad storytelling and making things matter. I'm watching a program where Bobby Lashley lost clean to Big E, right? He lost money in the bank. Then they had a rematch. He hit lost him with again. It. Lost again. The avalanche, big ending. He's got a title match with Lesnar. Why? There's no rhyme or reason why they book anything on this show. It just kind of happens. Yep. Brock Lesnar, hey, you're off of SmackDown. You're going to be in the main event. Why? There was no… Nothing, nothing matters. They just do shit. Someone… I think it was, you know, SAP or someone like that when they were talking about, we'll talk about NXT in a second, that they want NXT to be week, booked weekly like the main roster. And that, that's been like an initiative sent down. And the initiative on the main roster is Vince wants every episode to feel like its own thing. And an insider spoke to Sean and said he doesn't like long-term booking. No, he doesn't. He's he likes doesn't. every week to be in a vacuum. I mean, so when you're talking about it doesn't make sense, they're booking for every event to be its own thing. Well, I mean, it's, it's booking for an audience of one. It's what Vince likes, yeah, right? It's what he likes. There's he nobody in the room that's going to be like, Vince, I don't think that's a good idea. Vince is like, fuck out. And once you get older, your attention span is like when you're a kid. The attention span wanes, right? So like, Vince is like, I don't want to see shit six months from now. Like, for what? I want my stuff right now. If I want this person to be a champion, maybe Brock, it would have made sense if he went into the Royal Rumble, maybe beat E there. What if, you know, somehow E hits him with the big ending, ends up winning but pinning someone else? Then, cool, Brock wants revenge on E, beats E at the Royal Rumble, E goes back into the Royal Rumble. Cool, there's ways to, like, finagle this. No. Vince like, I don't care what happens next month. I want it now. Imagine this. Imagine being a writer for Game of Thrones, right? You know, you're like, all right, well, how are we going to get to the end, right? And then the, the, the producer comes in and was like, oh, you got to kill Daenerys tomorrow. Yeah, that's tough. And it's like, <laughs> well, we just wrote all this shit for like the next seven episodes, and you're going to kill our main character tomorrow? What do we do? That's what Vince does. Vince is like, ah, I don't like that anymore. I couldn't be a writer for Vince McMahon, because how, how do I write for something? I don't know. Like, next week, you may change your mind. And then everybody's plans are thrown in disarray, because nobody expected Brock to be on Raw. No. Nah. So now you got to write two months of scripts for Brock Lesnar. Oh, and by the way, he's also going to be on Fridays. Then you got to figure out how to get the belt off him what, or combine Why did we do a draft? Seth is on SmackDown. He's, he's challenging Roman Reigns with the Universal he is, title. Yes, yes. I like that matchup. I like it too, but there's better ways to get there. They're make it make through storyline. Make it make sense. You had a draft to set, you had a brand split where you put wrestlers here. On one side, here on the other. And then Seth was like, ha ha, you know that Seth? Yeah, yeah. Ha ha, I'm going to show up on SmackDown. And everybody, everybody was like, cool. The audience, this is the biggest thing Vince has done, which I, I, I don't want to applaud, man. He's kind of like crazy at this point. But he's crazy like a fox. 
what he's done is we complain. We watch multiple forms of wrestling. We watch different companies. We, we understand. We have this ideal of what we want, right? The casual audience, he's conditioned them to like what he likes. He's put out so much bad stuff and has regurgitated the same storylines over and over, put the same people and champions over and over. He has conditioned the casual audience to like it. Now, stay right there. Smart. Stay right there. This is why NXT is pivoted. Because we can go right into New Year's Eve. Yep. This man looked at NXT and said, what fuck are you doing? I don't, I don't like these little guys. Nope. That's not, this is not my system. Hunter gets sick. Does. Vince goes. The best. Vince looks at NXT and was like, I don't like, because there's a reason why none of these guys work for Vince. Vince doesn't value professional wrestling. No. He values sports entertainment. And spectacle. He values athletes who transition into pro wrestlers. Like, Brock Lesnar is a unique talent, right? But for the most part, it's like, well, can I get a football player and turn him into a pro wrestler? Yeah. Lawrence Taylor made a event at WrestleMania, right? I mean, Baron Corbin's on the roster. You, he is on the roster. Exactly. These aren't, these aren't guys that come from the indie scene. There's a few exceptions. Seth Rollins, obviously, is Tyler Black. Yep. AJ Styles. There's a few. But for the most part, and I, I tweeted this if some people disagree with me, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan changed the wrestling, WWE. Because they prove that you don't have to look a certain way. Now, people are like, what about uh, Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero? Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero were like muscle-bound. They changed to fit Vince's right. model. They were, they were yoked up. Yeah. Like, we all know ben Benoit was like juiced. Out of frame. Like, yeah. their body should not have handled that much no, muscle. It was ridiculous. Punk, on the other hand, doesn't have a, a bodybuilder type. No. Daniel Bryan's tiny. Doesn't have a bodybuilder type. And they prove that, hey, Vince... Other people like this. You don't have to look like a, a Arnold Schwarzenegger to be a pro wrestler or Hulk Hogan. As soon as Punk and Brian are both gone, is it a coincidence that the business NXT has completely changed? NXT wouldn't have been what it was if it wasn't for CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. No, hands down. I mean, again, it's weird though that you mentioned Triple H. Yeah. No, you know, got sick. Feels like Vince was like, oh, this is my chance. Goes in there, changes everything. But Triple H, I now wonder, when was his model? Like, when did he fall in love with indie wrestling? Oh, I'll tell you exactly when I think it was. PWG, Steven Regal shows up at PWG backstage. There's an infamous picture of him backstage. You have Gabe Sapolsky of Evolve, who worked with WWE. Yeah. They he showed, just got let go like a week ago. They showed Hunter. It was like, oh, here's all these guys. And Hunter was like, this is amazing. Now, he was like, we, they, they got these rabid audiences for this stuff. Oh, we should, we should turn NXT into this. Yep. This is the next generation of pro wrestlers. Smaller guys. Guys that don't necessarily look like pro wrestlers, but their, their movement, their, everything they do is spectacular. They focus on the craft. They love it. They, they're not stiff. Hunter took that, brought it to NXT. Called Sean. was like, come on. Called all, his, all the homies. It was like, we got to build this. Yep. And we loved it. NXT would sell out everywhere it went, right? The moment the AEW came into the picture, it was like, uh-oh. Because Vince was like, let's put them up against each other. Whether people want to believe that or not, doesn't matter. That's what happened. AEW won. But Vince got his grubby little mitts on NXT and tried to make it sports entertainment again. And it didn't necessarily work. So he just took it down to the bare bone. He was like, all right, tear it down. <laughs> Hunter's gone. Regal's gone. Joe's gone. Uh, everybody who built NXT gone. is gone. That whole vision is gone. 
So when I don't like NXT 2.0, but I understand exactly what it is. Braun Breaker, Steiner, that's that what guy's Vince wants. money. Yeah, he was a he he tried out for the Ravens. Carmelo, money. I think he made the Ravens. It, well, um, he got cut, yes. But Carmelo Hayes was an indie wrestler named Chris Cavan- Casanova, yep. who I was a big fan of. Still got the build, though. Yeah, he looked he looks look, apart. Yep. But you look like Trick Austin Williams. Austin Gary, still main roster, looks the part. Right. He looks like a fitness model. Like there's a even if you're small, you got to look very particular. Yeah. So NXT has now become WWE light. Yeah. Main roster light because now you have wrestlers with jobs. <laughs> like they all they all got something to do. They're trying to make Grayson Waller this great thing. I just, yeah. I still he don't lost get it. to AJ Styles. Yeah, but yeah. who the hell is he it doing wrestling matter. AJ Styles? Yeah. Braun Breaker. When I, I interviewed Braun Breaker, and full disclosure, it's a terrible interview because you can tell. He just got here. Like, he's only been training for like a year. Yeah. Because he got cut from the Ravens. It was like, all right, you know, I'm going to try this wrestling thing. And then he didn't find out he was getting called up to, to be on TV till the day before. So he's just been thrown in. But this is what Vince likes. Yeah. That body type. Ciampa, Gargano, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, all gone. I've seen people say this, this bullshit narrative, like, they ran away from the grind. No, Vince, no. Vince, that wasn't, Vince saw Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano. He was like, that's not what I want. I'm glad AEW's around to give them a place. Right. Because, and shout out to AEW in the sense of they saw, and NXT is very responsible for this too. You create your biggest monsters, right? NXT, when you move out of Performance Center, when you sell out the Barclays, when you sell out this, all these guys, you're taking guys from the indies. But the guys who were left were like, wait, we just wrestled these guys three weeks ago. And now they're selling out stadiums? Selling out. Oh, on NXT. Interesting. We can do that. We just need some money. There's an appetite for it. And then there was a guy, Tony Khan. I like this. I got some money. And they're like, yeah, you want to put our money together? Your money? You guys wrestling? I think we got something. And all AEW is is a bigger and better NXT. It's a bigger and better indie. It's it's a, yes, it's a gigantic indie that, that took a bunch of wrestlers. When they, when they did All Out in Chicago and sold that building out in 30 minutes. Or ROH. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> ROH made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> they made a lot of mistakes yeah. along the way. But Tony Khan, Cody, because Cody leaves, the Bucks would never get signed by WWE. Vince would look at them as like, yeah. Kenny Omega, another one, never get signed by WWE. Look at him. He wrestles, a, he used to wrestle like a great wrestling style, but he was goofy as well. Well, Vince, now, like, he'd probably get signed. He's like a lot he's bigger. bigger but, but the thing is, is that they started their own company because they, what Vince failed to realize is like when WCW was great, it wasn't just Hogan and all those, but it was the cruiserweight division. Yeah. People like wrestling. Sports entertainment is great. But there are people that actually like good matches. I'm okay with both. I'm okay with this distinct split. If you're telling me that all these small guys, the guys who are technical athletes, all this stuff, I'm okay with them going to AEW. Don't even touch WWE. I'm okay with WWE being sports entertainment only. If it was done right. Well, that's nothing matters. You still have to just do it right. I'm okay. I don't... Listen, I would love for Gargano to be a star on the main route. I would love... It's not in the cards. That's fine. But make the shit up there make sense. None of it makes sense. Make stars up there. Make Big E a star. Make Sasha Banks a star. On your program. Not outside of your program. They are stars outside of the program. They almost were in spite of. Right. Yeah. Make them stars in your program. Make... All of these guys and girls, stars there. 
value them and make it make sense. Make it good sports entertainment. My problem is, and a lot of people's problem, they say the problem is they don't like sports entertainment. You're lying. We all love the Attitude Era. We all love Stone Cold. We all love The Rock. We all love Shawn Michaels. We all love DX, Crotch Chops. We love all it. We love good sports entertainment. Yeah. We remember the angles and the promos and everything. We love sports entertainment. We also love pro wrestling. But there's a company for each. We love good sports entertainment. It's not good sports entertainment. Man. No, it, it, it's bad sports entertainment. And uh, that's going to be what you do. Be good at it. That the thing is, is like when WWE had its its biggest trouble with WCW, and then ECW was in the mix as well. Which ECW never gets enough to yeah. credit for changing the landscape of pro wrestling, right? Because ECW wasn't just hardcore matches. You guys had like super crazy Rey Mysterio, Benoit, Jericho, Stone Cold came through those doors. Yep. Taz, it changed the landscape of pro the wrestling. Realistic promo work changed so much, yeah. even outside of in match. And then you had like Ring of Honor was birthed out of that. Yep. And Ring of Honor changed the landscape of pro wrestling. All that talent that came through those doors. And it made people realize, I like pro wrestling. Sports entertainment is great, too. Yep. But you know what else I like? Good television. It's not good television. It's not good television. That's my biggest problem with WWE is like, I'm watching this like, why, why should I watch next week? You're giving me no reason to care. Because if, if he loses, he'll probably be in a title match next week. Word. People are like, oh, professional wrestling is like a male soap opera, right? We hear this all the time. Yeah. Like, that's a man soap opera. This is a shitty soap opera. It's, it's bad. Like, if it's going to be a soap opera, make it a good soap opera. Like, make me care. That's what they're supposed to do, and they're not doing it on, on any level there right now. So that's what they have to fix. In terms of the NXT, again, the old regime is out. I like a, a good amount of the young people they have. They got to put them in good positions. The Italian dude, I can't stand that. The Italian dude, I don't understand. He just, um, <laughs> he just beat Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne. What are we doing? I don't know. Pete Dunne got to go. Yes. And I love Pete Dunne. It's time. Uh, they're going to feed Walter to Breaker, too. Oh, like. God. Please don't tell me. They just teased that. Yeah, no, I saw it. It's all bad. But um, Walter's lost like once in the past like five years. So that's going to be quite interesting. But even with all of that, just make it good. Make it make sense. But I, I don't mind the change in NXT. I'm not going to watch it weekly like I did. You know, I, I'm just going to be a casual fan. Sign me up for some takeovers so I can just see who's there. Yeah. But it makes a lot more sense in what Vince is doing because if you're not going to call people up, you're not going to give them a chance. They're not going to work. These these talented people don't fit in your system. Stop wasting their time. Stop wasting their time. Like That's like having a baseball team and, and you guys are built off of home run hitting and 99-mile-per-hour pitchers, but your triple-A and your double-A has guys who throw 91 and are like, you know, slider, curveball guys. Yeah. And then you have a bunch of people on your triple and double A who hit singles and get on base and steal bases. Yeah, manufacturing runs. Yeah, like, but that's not what your big league club does. No, so what What are you doing here? It's like, I want Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa when on the roids. That's Vince McMahon. Yeah, yeah, and but now he's, you know, he's getting Jose Altuve in the triple A. He's like, like, there's no spot for this guy. Like, it's not what our team is built for. Yeah, doesn't fit the system. It doesn't. So this is smart if you're building the stars for that system. Yeah. You got to make that system good because you can build whatever you want. But if you're building all these stars to put them on the Kansas City Royals, you ain't doing shit. You, you got to build these stars to be winners, to be champions. It's not a championship level club at the top for the WWE right now. They got to change that. Um, let's hit the break. When we come back, we got to talk AEW, who we referenced. Woo. We'll touch a little bit on Wrestle Kingdom real quick. Just some highlights. But we got to get into AEW because 
Tony Khan versus Big Swole was like a huge thing. Yeah. And then they've made some changes. So don't go anywhere. More wrestling talk after this. Still a great UFC interview to wrap up the show as well. We'll be right back. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. All right, everybody, we are back. More pro wrestling talk. Dre, before we get into the Tony Khan Big Swole discussion, which I'm sure is going to take up most of this segment, real quick, thoughts on New Japan Wrestle Kingdom. I binged it because I came back from Puerto Rico. I had like two days to binge all three nights. Binged it. I will tell you this. Maybe back-to-back, nights one and two are probably seven hours, eight hours total. I watched about a hundred, I'd say an hour and 40 minutes condensed. I was fast forwarding a lot. It was a lot of fluff. There was. Great main events. Though. It doesn't need to be three. It doesn't need to be three nights. It didn't need to be two nights. Nothing needs to be three nights. No, nothing needs to be three nights, but Wrestle Kingdom didn't need to even be two nights. This was the weakest Wrestle Kingdom. In a decade. By wow. Far. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. It's, a I mean, it's quick. Yeah. It's, it's pretty easy. Like, the junior heavyweight tag match with El Desperado and them retaining, I didn't care. Um, I mean, not El, El Desperado and uh, Takahashi in the uh, junior uh, heavyweight match. We thought it was going to be a barn burner. And it was really just cementing it. El Desperado's champ. Wasn't a great match. Uh, the tag team champions, that wasn't great. It was okay. Yep. Uh, the the no rule street fight with Kenta and Tanahashi unnecessary. It was fine. Yeah, but it wasn't great. It wasn't Re- Wrestle Kingdom great. We've seen better championship matches. Well, which I guess their U.S. titles now their IC title. It wasn't great. The two main events were the only thing that mattered. I didn't see nothing. Else. Oh, and uh, Shibata coming back, which damn near brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, word is that Shibato, you know, when the business for himself was like, we're doing strikes, and they're yeah. like, oh no, don't, don't do it. <laughs> I loved it because the ro- of course it, you loved it. If Shibata finds his way back into the title picture after all he's been through, it'll be the greatest story in New Japan Pro Wrestling for the last like four or five years. Yeah, you know, better than Naito getting the title, and how it ended up after night two, I would love to see that. Yeah, but every everything else. Like, how do you have a bad match with Ishii? Ishii and Evil was terrible. I'm not an evil guy. Well, I'm not an evil guy either, but the Bullet Club shenanigans and the Bullet Club having like 7,000 different factions, but all the shenanigans just made that match not fun. Yeah. It, it, like, this was just not good. It wasn't a good show. It was, Wrestle Kingdom's two nights could have been one night, and I would still have been like, yo, this isn't great. <laughs> Usually, Wrestle Kingdom, we get several matches that we're like, yo, that was great, that was great, that was great. You got two matches. Get Okada and Osprey, single and Okada. Yeah. And we went and they went back to what they knew, almost on some Vince shit. Yep. 
They went back to Okada because it was like, all right, we got to gotta fix this shit. Hard reset. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. But it was like, man, Shingo had such a great year. I would have loved to see him and Okada go at it again because they have these barn burner matches. But it's fine. But it was like, yo, I, I just didn't need all this for Wrestle Kingdom. I, Both matches were good to me. They were really good. Now, before we pivot to AEW, I, I want to ask you this. Hangman, Brian, or Okada Osprey? What's the better match? Hangman Brian 2, you're yeah. talking? Yep. Or 1? 2. Hangman Brian 2. I agree. Meltzer gave, he broke the scale for Osprey Okada and gave Hangman Brian 4.75. What did he give? He gave it like a 5.5. Oh my God. Which, which. If Hangman Brian was in the Tokyo Dome, I though. know, exactly. <laughs> Yo, because. Do, you, do we want to talk about AEW? You want to just go into AEW? Yeah, real just quick? go into AEW. We can finish with the swole, Tony. Yeah, Carson. but Hangman, Brian, again, I keep saying this. I had this conversation. Brian Danielson is like one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. The guy's on a run. And this match with Hangman, fucking incredible. He doesn't have to win. He, he didn't. And we, he we're like, that's okay. Win. Yep, it's fine. That's okay <laughs> because we know we're going to get a great match. Like that match, it, how is that not a five-star match? It was good. I mean… This does a ton for Hangman, right? Like, this is an AEW. Their booking is like weird to me sometimes. And again, it's like they let the inmates run the asylum a little too much. But when the inmate is Brian Danielson, pretty much let him do whatever the hell he wants, right? So when you book these matches, and this is another thing WWE is missing out on. I'm not just trying to shit on WWE, I'm just pointing out like realistic things. When you have a guy at the top, they have Punk, they have Brian. Legends at the top. When you have the ability to have new stars and you recognize they don't need to win right now or they can win whenever. Right. But when you're looking to make a new star like Hangman and Brian goes, this is how we do it. You shut up, you listen, you let him take the reins. And in two matches, he did it. Hangman is solidified. No matter what happens to Hangman, Cody could beat Hangman in May. Yeah, don't, don't. Heal Cody to beat Hangman in May. And no one's going to say you ruined his title run. No. Because he has two incredible matches with Daniel. Whatever happens after this, the title run is incredible. Because of Daniel Bryan. It was not afforded to Big E. If he has two matches with Brock Lesnar, and Brock puts him over. Because Brock doesn't need to win. Exactly. If he beats Lashley, comes through, cool, he loses to Roman, whatever. You may think he might run that back at a WrestleMania. Yep. Or something. You give the entry. Cool, you lost to Roman. But if he comes back, he beats La If he beats Brock in a fatal five-way. What? Okay, now go one-on-one. -on -one. Beats Brock again. It's two matches, just like Brian had two matches. So maybe he doesn't pin Brock. Brock is mad, but they have great interactions. Exactly. Then he beats Brock. You build a start. No matter what happens to the rest of Big E's title run, it's made. Exactly. Because your legend, your top guy, put him over. I, I, that's, that's the crazy, that, and that's the whole thing about WWE. They keep going, like, Becky and Bianca, if Becky would have just, like, I never was against Becky getting the title back. It was the way that she did it. Yep. I was never like against Brock having the title. It's the way that it happened. Make the champions feel like make them feel valued. That's it. Why couldn't if 
Reigns. Cool. They had that. Big E beats him at Rumble for some reason. Put Brock in the Rumble. Shout out producer Cole Bebe. Put him in the Rumble. Have Brock win the Rumble. And now he got to beef with Roman, right? Yeah. He got to beef with E, right? Because E just beat him twice. Now he's got to make a choice. Brock, you got to choose who do you want. That's Brock, good television. Brock is the greatest guy in the company, right? Brock says, I make my own rules. I'm choosing them both. And now you have a mania triple threat. Roman, Brock, E. E just beat him. Roman got beef with him too. But Roman beat E. So E got beef with Roman. So now everybody got beef with somebody. You know what? Brock says, I want them all, all the titles on the line. Everybody got beef with everybody. Why not? That's, but that's Everyone's made. That's good television, right? Like, that's how you create other stars, right? Like, if Omar, if, if people are watching Wire, and you watch, and Omar just kills everybody every episode, and it's like, well, what the hell are we watching for? Because we know what Omar's going to do, yep. right? Who cares about Avon Barksdale? Like, who cares? None of this shit matters. Like, Omar's going to show up, whistle, and kill everybody. Like, make things matter. The reason why Game of Thrones is so great is because somebody different was on top. And other people got made. Yep. Right? Jon Snow got made. You got to make guys. There was so much there. Like, how do you mess that up? Triple threat. Brock could have had both belts without pinning Roman. Keeps Roman strong. Yeah, could have pinned E. Whatever you want. Got both belts. Listen, and then Roman you got to chase. <sighs> what? But AEW, like, that's the one thing. When I talk about better storytelling, like, AEW just kind of, they knew. Like, the Bucks, when they came in, they was like, we don't need the titles immediately. Because they booked themselves. Yeah. So now, when you tell Daniel Bryan, yo, Daniel, or Brian Daniels, you're like, Brian, you're going into this match with our champion. We need you to put him over. He books himself. Genius. Now you can't give everyone that leash. <laughs> no. But see, but the, when you have the guys you can, it makes it look amazing. Yeah. But Brian's also one of the great minds in pro wrestling, pro wrestling because yep. if, if I keep referring to my interview with him on his way out when I was like, he's not coming back. He would talk about, he's like, I want to put over a guy like Chad Gable. Mm-hmm. Like, his, his mindset is, I want to put over people. Because I'm still me. I'm good. Yeah, he's fine. Like, if it wasn't, everybody knows this. If it wasn't for Brian Danielson, there would be no Kofi Mania. Yeah. Like, there would be no Kofi Mania. Think about that for a minute. One of the biggest moments in pro wrestling, especially for minorities, wouldn't happen without Brian Danielson saying, ah, my ego doesn't matter. Let's put this guy over. Yep. I, I, no disrespect to Brock, but I think Brock shows up was like, when am I getting the title back? <laughs> like, like, what am I doing here if I ain't got the title? But again, if you tell Brock, this is the story, this is what you got to yeah, do. Yeah, you'll get the titles back. We'll give you both titles at Mania, and we're cutting you a pretty big check. Let's yeah. do this. What? Anyway. I got to eat this pit? Cool. Can, can we have, like, something stupid? Like, Heyman take a bump? So I'm, like, distracted or something? Like, have Heyman cost me or something, and then, you know, I could blame it on that. And then now Heyman's like, oh, my God, I got to run back to Roman or, like, you know, build something in there to keep me protected. Brock will do it if it makes sense. Yeah. Well, and if it makes dollars. So, like, they just don't even proposition that. It's lazy. It's lazy. All right. We got to talk about this big thing before we get out of here. I want you, I want you to bring it up. And I'll get so, it. in the midst of all this actual pro wrestling. On New Year's Eve of all days. New Year's Eve. Not the non-shocking news. Is and we knew this, known this for a couple of weeks. Big Swole left AEW. They did not renew the contract. It was mutually agreed upon at first, is what it was said. To not renew the contract, Swole left. Cool. Swole has a podcast. She goes on there. Obviously, she's going to talk about her departure and her time in AEW. During this, she says she wishes AEW would handle 
diversity better. They have a lack of diversity. So, and how they book it. Also on the way out, she hinted at like kind of a rift between her and Omega and how the women are booked, whatever. So lack of diversity. Someone takes that quote, puts it out on Twitter. Fightful. Fightful. Good quote. Pull the quote. Cool. Tony Khan then responds to that with real inside baseball. So you're talking about like, oh, I don't want to go inside. Real inside. Like, you know what? I just thought she wasn't that good. We didn't mar- mutually decide anything. I decided not to renew the contract. That's how he closes the tweet. Closes the tweet. First tweet is he names like all the minority talent that won. Yes. Hence, you know what I just said first. Yep. It's all, all people are going to care about. Yep. Because, yes, he does say we have two minority owners, me or minority, you know, executives. Yeah. Himself. Mega. Um, yeah, mega. Cool. Which I didn't know who that was. I looked it up. Great. Yeah. Like, amazing diversity at the time. Cool. But then, I always preach for diversity at the top. Ownership and diverse ownership is great. But it's great when that trickles down as well. You know, like, are there any decision makers under you who are black? Or minority in general. One. And she's a woman. And, you know, she's a bad bitch, I guess, according to her. Like, we'll save that. Yeah, that promo is ridiculous. But, I mean, outside of that, like, what do we have? What other decision makers? But, so I get where Swole was coming from. But then I get his side as well. He's like, we have diversity here. And all up and down the roster. We have diversity. Pointed that out. But then crushing her to moot point. Because at its core... He's not racist. I don't think he's a racist guy. No. Like, I, don't, I don't even think there's like an allegation about it. He's immature. And as a business owner, you can't be immature. You have to have standard practices. There's a reason why WWE just says, wish you best your future endeavors. They cut William Regal. William Regal. Yeah. 20 years. Man's a legend. Wish you best your future endeavors. Because to avoid situations like this, him coming after Swole after she says they have a problem with diversity and speaking to a black woman in general like that, rub people the wrong way. I couldn't tell him to have it not rubbed that way. That's my thing. I can see where he's coming from. I understand the beginning part, especially. I can't tell them to not be mad at him because you know what? If... If it comes down to it, we got to ride for Swole. It is what it is. Right or wrong. Like, you can't talk to her like that. Off rip. Then we can get, once we clear that air, we can get to where we got to go. And the apology isn't sincere and it took time. So, first, first things first. Swole's message. There's no diversity. I wish he would have rephrased that. Because we need to be very clear about what diversity is. It's not just for black people. Right? I'd like it to just be for black people sometimes. But the reality is, diversity is minorities. Yep. That includes women. Includes brown people. Includes, like, it's just, that's what it is. And there is diversity in AEW. They, whether that's at the top, in executive positions, because there's actually three brown executives, including Brandy, who's a black woman. Yep. Mega, who is a minority woman. And Tony. Then you look at the roster. Yeah, Tony's right. Yeah. Nyla. The first three AEW women's champions. We're not white women. No. Right? The We've first, only had one, I think. Yeah. Britt Baker is the only... That's it. One, yes. Tag team champions. 
First tag team champion, Scorpio Sky. Black man. Yeah. Sammy Guevara just had the TNT title. So people, people Lucha say, Bros. Yeah, Lucha Bros. People will say, well, they're not in the main event picture. There's no black people in the, black men in the main event picture. Okay, you may have a point there. Cool. But say that. Yeah. Don't say it's not diversity. Say, I want to see black males in the main event picture. That's that's my first problem when people talk about diversity. Because there is diversity, but say what you want. Don't mask it under the guise of diversity. Say what you want. Because then the, the counter-argument was like, there's only been four AEW champions. Hangman, Omega, Moxley, Jericho. Yeah. What black talent are you going to put over those four right now? They're not there yet. And people say, oh, I'm tired of giving it time. Well, if there was multiple champions, I can get your argument. But when there's only four, and there's four of the biggest names in the business, yeah, it's really difficult. Hangman excluded. They yeah. built Hangman. They, they built Hangman. But they built Hangman from day one with Jericho. Yeah. And they saw that shit all the way through. My argument would be, that is the buddy-buddy system. That's, that could be the good old boys club. Because yeah, I mean, he came in as a member of the elite or, you know, with that yeah. bullet club thing. So, like, for all purposes, they built him from scratch. Yeah. Why can't you do that to any black town? I mean, they because can. Because they're not in the good old boys club. It, well, I they mean. They built their friend. I don't have a problem with this. I'm okay with that. Because guess what? If me and my friends own a company. Exactly. I'm building my friends. Yeah. I don't care what going. I'm just building yeah, them. Yeah. Like, so I, I tell you this. If ESPN one day gives me the bag and I become like Stephen A level, the entire reverse rap pack is working at ESPN. Right. We're all getting the bag. And don't talk to me about diversity. We're a diverse group. Don't talk to me about anyone outside of us. Because I'm getting all of us the bag. So the diversity thing I had issue with. Tony's tweet was problematic because he negated every point he made by mentioning Swole. Now, whether he was right or wrong, I don't care. Doesn't even matter at this point. Nobody asked you is my problem. Nobody said, hey, Tony, why did you get, get rid of Swole? And then Tony responds, well, I let her contract run out. If that happened in an interview, no problem with what Tony said. Nobody asked Tony a question. Tony went to Twitter, said we have diversity, and we let uh, Swole's contract run out because she wasn't good enough. I didn't think her wrestling was good enough. Which is usually the reason why people are, are, don't get their contracts renewed in the first place, right? But this is Twitter we're talking about. This is a cesspool of negativity. People sank their teeth in that conversation. <laughs> and we're like, hey, we don't care why you let her go because nobody asked you. Now it's you versus Swole is now the story. It's not diverse anymore. It's you versus Swole. I disagree with you on one thing. You don't have to be mature to be an owner. You don't, there's no rule. I'm the fucking owner. I do what I want. Can't fire yourself. No, you don't have to. But the thing is, is that I need Tony Khan off of Twitter. Period. But when you're the owner, and you're not mature enough to tell someone else to like take the reins here. You're not going to do that. No, but it's, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like it, maturity is not the issue. It's the issue when you go after your former employee. That's not maturity. Public. What is that? That's stupidity. Just, that's that. That's what it is. It was dumb <laughs> yeah, because he didn't. Even if you look at the tweet itself, if you really strip it down, that's the reason why he let her go is because the wrestler wasn't good enough. Yeah. That's not even necessarily going after her. No. And again, but you went on Twitter to say it, which is a cesspool of negativity that's going to make it and amplify that message. Regardless, Twitter aside, black Twitter aside, black wrestling Twitter aside, because that's where a lot of stuff came from. Yeah, indie people aside, once the black talent in your company are going on public record. And just say you have to apologize. And you don't? Stupidity number two. 
because you're doubling down. All they ask for, we'll chalk it up. We'll talk and listen. We still in the company. Well, who the question is, who is they? Apologize to Swope. When you get the Leo Rush. He, he walked that back. You got to work there. I know. I'm t- I'm t- here's one of, here's I'm what I'm saying. saying. As the leader, as a leader. Yeah. Owner, whatever. As a leader. When someone just apologized for talking how you did. What does that cost you? I apologize for how that came Cause, off. Because he doesn't believe it. Like, here, it's, here's the thing. I don't believe half the shit I say as a leader. That's leadership. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, he just should have never tweeted. I don't even care about the apology because it doesn't matter. He just should have never tweeted that. But once you do, you got to kind of then, what, sooner or later, you got to realize. Because what's his apology? I fucked up. What's the apology look like? The apology, if it happens timely. What is it? I apologize for discussing personal matters between me and Swole in a public forum and for the words that I said about her. I will take into account what she says about our diversity and build upon that to continue to set the bar in diversity and professional wrestling. I just did that off the top. Tweet done. That's under 180 characters. Fair. Let's go home. That's it. And then you say whatever the hell you want off of Twitter. But that's all you had to do. I apologize to her how that came off and for saying it in a public forum. I listened to what she said about diversity. Not defending the diversity you already have. Who cares? We know you got diversity. But if one person feels you don't, I recognize your opinion. I'll take that into account and we'll build on that to have even more diversity than we already have. Because when you say it and you state and you list, I'm diverse. The other person next to me is diverse. We got a black woman. We got... Jay Cargill, one black. Once you start listing stuff, you're now defending. And now, now you're, you're trying to put a, a number to your diversity. For what? Just say, okay, we are diverse. But if that's not enough, we're going to continue being more diverse, which they've only shown. So you can't call him a liar if he says that. Well, so, so while I agree, what I've seen is Tony Khan needs to get off Twitter. I'm going to start there again. Because he's been getting railroaded for diversity in AEW for like the past year. He's been more than that. He's been killed about it. So what I saw is an angry man got on Twitter and was like, God damn it! Da-da! Right? We are diverse. I'm sick and tired of people saying this shit. That's what he did. And then he was like, and to clarify, (laughs) Swole's contract, we didn't renew it. Because Swole's the one who said mutual. Yeah, Swole said mutual. Yeah, yeah. And Khan was like, that shit ain't happened. No, I didn't think she was a good wrestler. <laughs> right. He's that that shit ain't happened. So in the context of all that, I wish that Tony would have not said anything. But I, now I get why he did. I disagree. But once you put Swole in that conversation, it just shifted the narrative. That's it. It gets real personal. Like, yeah, people took, take it, it, it got real messy. Two sides. It it puts a lot of people, your talent included, and even fans, that are. It puts them in a very awkward position. Yeah, because they're like, well, what, what, all right, um, we rock with Swole. We like Swole. Because the fact of the matter is, whether you, are you not going to, like, uh, let's keep it a buck. The initiative amongst a lot of the black community, especially lately, as we fight for better diversity and better everything, is still that black men do not protect black women. No. That is a big narrative. Yeah. You put them in a really shitty position. Because now if you ride with the company and say, yeah, we do... Then people are like you're a black man not protecting black women. It's dog. It's complicated. Someone called you something crazy in your mentions when you just tried to bring up the diversity angle. Yeah, I, I was like, we know swole. 
Yeah, like, like, I, like, I've talked to Swole. Like, like, like no Swole. after like, this whole situation, I've talked to Swole. She was like, I wasn't upset till somebody talked shit about my daughter. Because that's what Twitter does, right? Twitter just takes things and they go too far. Swole's not wrong. It's like, diversity is not the same for every black person either. Yeah. There may be some people that be like, no, nah, they're good. And then Swole was like, nah, I wish there were some changes. They're, neither of them are wrong. Who said something about the white passing? That was uh, Darius Lockhart. Lockhart. And, um, and I, I, we know we've had Darius on the show. Yeah. I know Darius. I didn't like that tweet. Again, diversity looks different for all yeah. black people. Yo. So when he goes into it, he'd be like, you are, oh yeah, you got black people? Yeah, but the ones you push are light-skinned black people. So people have different perceptions. Now, now we had, it's like, so now, now we got colorism. Cake. Yeah. Because this, that was a weird but, one to But me. that's real. Because he might be like, yo, you're not trying to, Really push dark skinned people. That was Jay Cargill aside, which is a weird thing. That's what Jay I'm saying. Cargill's right there. But we we have whatever. to correct people on their blind spots when they say diversity, <laughs> yeah. and you be like, they ain't pushing no dark skin. Jay Cargill's the damn TBS champion. Chocolate and and sexy. let's and let's be real, that match with Ruby wasn't great. No, it was not. But Jade is now the champion, and she's a dark skinned black woman, as she should be. I don't care if she wrestled lick. And, let her let her let her uh, grow into that like, role. Dante Martin's been sitting. In, in great spots. Like, they split him from the tag team. He's been in a great spot. Can he help it? He's still a black man, but he happens to be light-skinned? Like, we can't, we're not going to do this. Because what is Darius Hartley going to say about Malcolm X, who's one of his heroes? Malcolm X is brighter than me. Yeah. With red hair. Are you going to go, well, Malcolm, you should be darker. It's not his fault. <laughs> I didn't like that tweet. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, Tony, stop tweeting. Because you never, you can't win. So don't even try it. I get what he was trying to do. No, we are diverse. I get it. Just stop. Shut up. Let it go. Do the work. Make it be, be about that action. Just be like, all right, cool. I'm taking notes. You're right. He could have apologized and said, I wish I didn't make this about Swole. It's really about us and diversity. I hear what Swole's got to say. We're going to make some, like, not even going to make some changes. We have been working on this. Maybe it's not happening as fast as people would like to see, but this is something we are absolutely working yep. on. To show like, you're focused on. I, like, he didn't even have to apologize necessarily about letting... He could have said, I didn't want to make this about Swole, and that's my fault. That's what I feel like Tony should have done. I don't feel like... Don't apologize for why you released her, or not even released, why you didn't renew her contract. I don't care. Just apologize about making it about her and diverting from the, the, the core yeah. issue that she had. Yep. And just say, I hear you. Maybe it wasn't happening as fast as Swole wanted it to happen, but we're working, we're working on, it. on it. That's it. That's Easy. it. Because all people are going to do, as we've seen, ah, I told you AEW is racist, which is nuts. Yeah, it's not. And then you have other people defending it for no reason, which because is Because, again, diversity is very different. You have LGBTQ. You yeah. have all of these. But, it, but I do understand. It, it's weird because I, it's hard to sit back sometimes and, like, look at, like, the white talent that gets misused. I mean, in situations, we've got to kind of, like, see that, too, you know? Because I can say Sonny Kiss, who is black and LGBTQ, and been wildly misused. But have they also misused other people? Like, they misused Brian Cage, which is a pretty big miss. I, see, I don't know. See, here's, here's my thing. So they, they've missed on several people. Like, Joey Janela but, but isn't in a great spot. So here, I can't just say you're doing this just because they're minorities. They're just because they're black. Right. You know? but, so here's the thing, right? I think for the most part, AEW is opposed to WWE. It's not their fault that the best wrestlers just so happen to be white. You, that's that's the, the most established talent that they have. Just so happy to be white. Except, right? So you have Brian Danielson, 
Can't be mad at that. No. They've built Paige, who's actually a really good worker. No, he is. Can't be mad at that. The Bucks, been the best tag team. Can't be mad at that. Because you have the Lucha Bros. They've also pushed them. Free yeah. LAX. Free LAX, right? <laughs> My problem with AEW is the TNT title picture for the TBS. Whatever you want to call that that Cody has again. Back on Homelander. Down <laughs> to the boys trailer that dropped. Therein lies my problem. There's no reason Cody needs this belt again. When you let them book themselves. Right. There's pros and cons. Yes. Stuff could go really right. Go really wrong. Like, think about it. Cody's Even Omega's messed up on the women's side. Yeah. Sometimes. Britt Baker fell into his lap. But Rio's on TV every other week. And Sheeta was too. Sheeta, like, he has a favoritism. Towards the Japanese style that's and what, Japanese talent. That's what Kenny Omega likes. So he puts likes and he pushes them. Yep. <laughs> so Kenny, Kenny does the same. It, so, it happens. And I think Swole hinted towards that a little bit. Like, yo, as a black woman, any type of, it's hard to get on TV. He has a preference. What, it, 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 but man, there's still a diverse preference, but it's a preference nonetheless. Because he had Sheeta, but then it was like, well, what about Thunder Rosa? Mm-hmm. Thunder Rosa was on. Like, if it wasn't for Thunder Rosa, like, there was a lot of people that gave Swole credit for making Britt Baker, but it wasn't really the Thunder Rosa match. Mm, yeah, the blood. But Britt, when she broke her leg in the promos, oh, and yeah, no, no, it was great. Her and, yeah, it, her it and was Swole. great. Swole has a, like, a good bit of credit. Like, there is, like, Diamante, like, they've had a, they just have a ton of time. I just think AEW gets crushed a little too hard, and I think Tony needs to step back. And just do the work because you can't please people. Just do it. Just yeah. stop talking. Just shut up. Just do it. You know what? Yeah, they don't have a ton of black talent at the top. But you know what you can do? Go out and get it. Yeah. If you only got four more roster spots because you are getting crowded, make it an initiative. And maybe, God forbid, but maybe you got to pass on Johnny Gargano because you got four white guys who look like Johnny Gargano. It's. But if you got four spots now, maybe you got to sign a Keith Lee. So maybe you have to go out and get a Bronson Reed, who's also like a Browns commit, but a different type of diversity. Well, he's an impact. Regardless. But when he was available. Yeah. Maybe you have to pass on some of these people. Still, I don't know what they're doing with Andrade. But maybe you got to push an Andrade. Maybe you have to make these things a point. Go find this talent. There's now black talent on the market. Yes, we don't know the issue with Keith Lee is. If Tony Khan signed Keith Lee and didn't push Keith Lee, and I'm not saying in the title picture because people have been really weird about Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole has been used just fine. Oh, he's great. But if Keith Lee wasn't on TV every week, then I'd be like, all right, we got a problem. You got to get the Meryl spot. Yeah. You got to get the dominant yeah, yeah. crazy but that, push. But that's the thing. It's like, I'm not mad at how they use talent. So the key issue here is once you open your mouth, you have now open the door for criticism. If you shut up and do the work or you acknowledge what's going on and just move on, like, just get off of Twitter. There's no, there's no, you can't clear the air on this. It is what it is. There's a reason why WWE says future endeavor and they never explain a release. Ever. Hey, uh, yeah, such has been super uh, endeavored. Why? Who cares why? Because it's my fucking company. That's why. That's what it should be. That's what it should be. So, in closing, Tony, just shut up. <laughs> just, just do the work. I get what you were doing, but you can't win on Twitter. At all. So, we'll see. We'll see if he can start winning in the court of public opinion. Because it looked a little funny in the light for a second. One thing is true in pro wrestling. 
as minorities, we're glutton for punishment. We're not going to stop watching. No, I'll be back. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like everyone complaining that we're going to watch AEW. What are you going to do? Go watch WWE? Uh, so like you're, you're going to go there for your pro wrestling. So we'll see. Hopefully they do better. Hopefully WWE does better. We just want everyone to do better. Give us good pro wrestling slash sports entertainment. That's all we ask for. It was good quality content. Um, for now, though, we wrapped up all this pro wrestling. We still have the bonus interview. Kaylin Chukagan from the UFC stopping by after this. But I'll give the rundown of everything off of the show. Keep that as bonus content at the end of this episode. So make sure you stick around after this. But in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. At Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Follow me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Follow producer Cole Bebe at Coltrane, C-O-A-L-E on Twitter. Shout out to Antoine. Shout out to Brian, who we're going to get a nickname for. Or maybe we give Antoine a nickname and just keep Brian as Brian. Because I love like in movies when it's just like one random guy with a normal ass name. So <laughs> shout out to Brian, everyone in production. Shout out to everyone at Blue Wire, here at Blue Wire Studios in the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. It's great to be back in studio. Man, if you're here Wednesdays, Sundays, make sure you guys swing through. We're going to try to work up something special for the Royal Rumble. Try to get some watch party stuff going on. So make sure you tune into our Twitter live stream for that as well. In the meantime, stay safe. Stay Rona free. Stay around for this amazing interview. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. All right. As promised, special guest from the UFC. One of my favorite female fighters to watch on the roster. On an amazing streak. Caitlin Chukagan, thank you for joining us on the show during fight week, which I know is always hard during weight cuts would suck, I am sure. But we appreciate you taking time out to come and talk to us um, on, a, on a really big fight for you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Uh, it's crazy. It's like fight week already. I'm like, oh, wait, here it is. Like, you know, you train like so long for it and you feel like it's so far away. And then all of a sudden it's here. You're like, oh, OK, guess we're ready to go. <laughs> What is it like having to, one, really hit the, the stride of your weight cut, but like train during the holidays? So you were training and in camp for Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Missed it all. What was that like? Yeah. And then uh, I also had like my birthday in there, too. I have like a, my birthday is uh, the 28th of December. So it was all, you know, everyone's like, we'll celebrate it after. And I'm always like bitter because I'm like close to Christmas. So my birthday is always like, you know, no one, no one really cares about it. So I'm like, it's not the same, but, uh, but I actually was lucky the last like two years. I, um, I fought in the beginning of December, so I got to celebrate. So it's all right. Even used to it by now. And for me, it, like I live um, on Long Island in New York. So as long as I can have my summers, then I'm okay. So that the summer time means a little bit more to me than, than the holidays. So it's all right. Thank you. Shout out to Long Island. Hey, no, yeah. Shout out to Long Island. Got family in Hempstead. Look at that. Okay, yeah, I'm not that far from there. All right, so this is a rematch with, with Jennifer Maya and a fight that you won. Um, what's it like fighting somebody again that you beat? And, I mean, the stakes are high because obviously you're chasing another title here, the title opportunity here, but do you expect anything different from Jennifer Maya the second time around? I mean, I guess you could say, like, especially if someone loses, you're, you know, the perceptions like, oh, they're going to come back, try to revenge their loss. But, you know, we're both at the top of the sport. We're both, you know, when we fought each other the last time, we were both basically fighting for a title shot, you know, and we're pretty much in the same boat now. We've only fought top opponents. 
since we fought each other, you know, we've both fought for the title and then fought other top five opponents. So, you know, we're always, we're at the top level of the game. So even the last fight, I'm sure she was like trying just as hard to win as she's going to be this fight. Um, so I kind of expect it to be, you know, pretty similar, you know, if anything, I'm sure she's improved. I mean, at, at this level, everyone's improving, but, uh, I know for me that I've improved a whole lot since the last time I fought her. So I think it's going to, you know, the results are going to be the same, if not more dominant. Speaking of that. So when you go into this fight, is there anything specifically where you look at and be like, Hey, I have to change this. Like maybe she's expecting this now. She knows what she saw in the first fight. Or do you continue and just say, you know what? I'm going to stick to the same game plan. I'm going to do what I did before and it's going to work out for me. Or do you go in to camp specifically saying, you know what? I need to add a couple tricks or bells and whistles for this fight since we have seen each other before. Uh, I kind of stick to the, the same game plan. I mean, I think for me, I have such a specific style, especially of striking. Um, you know, so no matter who I'm fighting, they're all really trying to do the same thing, trying to avoid my my range. You know, I'm almost 5'9", so I'm super tall for the division. Everyone's kind of avoid the range. They think, uh, you know, just to take me down, that that's going to be the answer. But I'm also a brown belt in jujitsu, so I'm totally fine on the ground, too. Um, even though most people think of me as a striker, I think I'm equally as good on the ground as I am standing. So, I mean, the game plan is always kind of the same. I kind of know what people... When you're at this level and you've had this many fights, like everyone sees all your fights. There's no secrets at this point. You know, I've, this will be my 14th UFC fight. So, you know, there's not much that they don't, that someone doesn't know when they go in fighting for me. But the only thing they don't know is how much that I improve and that, you know, some parts that they think are my weaknesses might not necessarily be my weaknesses two years later. So here's the fascinating thing. I think MMA Junkie just posted uh, the dubious distinction that if you win by decision, this would be your 10th decision victory in the UFC. And, when, and they, they call it a dubious distinction because you've won all of your fights by decision. How do you feel about that? Because does it make you say, well, damn it, I need to go out here and get a finish? Or do you care about these kind of things? Yeah, I mean, I don't really care. That used to kind of bother me. That's definitely like, you know but people criticize me for that. I don't have finishes that I just go, you know, just get decision. But I mean, I'm trying to, it's not that I'm not, um, if anything, like some people could be getting beat up the whole entire fight and then, you know, pull out, a you know, a KO finish and they're like praised, but it's like, yeah, but they were like getting, not that anything's a lucky shot, but they're getting beat up the whole time. I think I'm outclassing everyone. And most of my opponents were, you know, top 10 opponents, you know, not many. I think I probably fought, you know, more top 10 opponents than, than a lot of other fighters. And I think that, you know, some fighters have a lot of finishes, but they might not have even fought one person in the top 10. With that, like you just said, your list of opponents are some of the best in the UFC, not just, you know, women's divisions, men's divisions. Like you fought a constant slew, top five, top 10 opponents. But with that title shot, like what do you learn from getting there not winning, and then having to get back? You know, it's just kind of like, that's just part of life. It, it just happens. I think if anything, after like losing to the title, obviously you want to win, but that pressure of like every fight, you're just like, I need to fight. I need to win this fight to get to the title shot. The pressure's kind of off a little bit and you can kind of go back to just taking each fight by fight. You know, I've always thought even before I fought for the title that I was focused on the fight in front, not too much for the title shot, but 
you know, now I know I'm at the point, like I fought for the title, you know, if they, if they offered it to me, you know, today, I would obviously take it, but I know that I just have to keep improving and keep winning. And if I, if the opportunity comes again, I'll, I'll be ready for it. I mean, you kind of realize when it comes and goes by that it's like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's just another fight. And you kind of, unfortunately, you don't really feel that till after you, you know, you lose it. But um, I think going into the next time, knowing it's just the same as any other fight, I think that'll definitely help me. So Valentina Shevchenko is a champion. She's now the number one women's pound for pound fighter in the world. She's in your division. You may see her again. But the former number one pound for pound was Amanda Nunez. She fought Juliana Pena, who was a massive underdog. You watching that fight, was it more to do with Amanda Nunez taking her opponent lightly or Juliana Pena you think was better than most of us thought? Um, I think, I think it was, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of both, but I think more, more so at Juliana Pena, I think her confidence um, was a big factor in that fight. Um, I've like met her and talked to her before, like over the summer and stuff. And, you know, before when they're doing the press conference and she's like kind of talking shit to Amanda and like, saying like you're scared to fight me and i was like i'm not saying i think she's gonna win but i was like she 100 believes that she's not just saying that she definitely went in there like thinking like oh well i'm the problem for amanda i can fight her she wasn't intimidated by her at all and uh she definitely believed that amanda was scared to fight her now whether amanda was or not i think just having that confidence and you know i think that's kind of what helped her in that fight like, I didn't think she was going to win, but I knew she definitely thought she could win. And I think once I saw the fight, I was like, you know what? I'm like, she was so confident. And people, she wasn't, hasn't been as active since over the last couple of years. So I think people kind of forgot about her and how gritty she is. And, you know, people only see Amanda's like crazy knockouts over the last couple of years. So I think people underestimated her a little bit more than normal for that fight. Do you take anything away from that? Because if you get... You know, if you fight Valentina again, Valentina's just been a huge favorite in every single fight. But it seems like Valentina might be a little bit different in her mindset where she just kind of wants, she, she always seems like she's on top of her game. But for you, is there a different level of confidence that comes in when you see somebody like Juliana Pena pull off such a big upset if you get that opportunity again? Yeah, I mean, it's it, you kind of see it not, you know, people think that that was like, once in a lifetime, like upset, but you actually do see that quite often in, in MMA. Like, I mean, you saw with Ronda Rousey with when, uh, when she lost, when Holly Holm beat her, when Amanda Nunez beat Cyborg, like you, it happens often when fighters that are like a big underdog go out and like totally destroy it. The other person, um, you know, I think you saw like a little bit with, uh, the men's flyweight division, you see it happen. So I think sometimes, fighters kind of forget about that and they like you know if you see that you're like all right you know in mma it's not like boxing i think for the most part the better fighter always wins but in mma you know there's so many different ways to win that you know it really is like up in there that's why it makes it hard to for betting on um on mma because it's so hard because anything can happen especially you have like four ounce gloves there's you can go standing on the ground someone can get tired there's just so many variables that that you know kind of close the gaps on on those uh one-sided fights with that being said people think shevchenko is impervious right like people think she's never going to be beaten she'll retire with that belt it is hers and hers alone how when you look at her what do you see? How does someone beat her? 
Um, I think with her, I think the one like misconception about her is everyone thinks like, oh, she's such a good striker, and they forget about how good her her wrestling is, and you know she how she like body locks people, takes them to the ground, and then holds them there. I think that people just kind of go in there assuming she's more of a striker, and that and they underestimate her wrestling, which. I don't know why, because every fight that's kind of where she dominates people the most is with her, her wrestling. So I think, you know, kind of taking that into consideration and game planning for her is, is something that I think could help people fight her. And, um, you know, with, with Valentina, what she does so good is she's on point every second of the fight. Whereas, like, other fighters, you might catch them slipping, getting a little tired. Like, she will, you know, she doesn't mind just playing. She'll play a boring fight for five rounds and do whatever she has to to win she's not you know she's very uh focused during the fight and i think for five round fights other fighters are don't have as much experience with five round fights and keeping their their focus the entire time like with her she's super high level she's comfortable in there and you have to be prepared to just kind of stay focused for the entire 25 minutes if you have to were you impressed that jennifer Maya went the distance with her with her performance that night not really. I mean, if you get like, I don't know. I think everyone just give, if you go five rounds with someone like with Valentina is so good that like, you know, if you land one job on her, they're like, Oh, this person's so good. You know, like, uh, you know what I mean? Yes. It's great. You go five rounds, but maybe like, if you don't open up, you know, you go five rounds. What's the goal? The goal is to win or to just go five rounds with the, with the, with the, champ you know what i mean you could play like a, a safe game and be like oh i went five rounds but or you have to open up a little bit more you might take risk and get finished but that's what you have to do to win did, did you see that like there's a moment in that fight where i, I kind of spotted it where it felt like jennifer was like i just kind of want to get to the end of the fight like she didn't take very many risks yeah i mean it's easier it's a lot easier said than done like valentina's just she's a good counter puncher counter striker so she just waits for you to come in and then you know, so sometimes they're like, oh, people are just waiting. It's like, yeah, but you know she's she's waiting for you to throw something so she can counter. She's probably one of the best, like, counter strikers in the UFC. So, it, you know, it's a lot easier said. But, yeah, I think a lot of times when people, you know, if you're down three or four rounds and then you have one more left, you're like, all right, let's just, you don't think you have an opportunity to finish the person. I think sometimes people just try to get through the fight. So with this fight coming up, just mentioned that about Jennifer. What do you expect her to do in this fight against you? Do you expect her to be aggressive, come at you, or to kind of play that chess game to not open up and just see where it is after three rounds? I, I definitely expect her to be aggressive. Um, that's what I expected in the first fight with her. But, you know, I have a, a very frustrating style where every person I fight, is that's their goal, is to try to be aggressive, push me back, and, you know, take me down to the ground. But I have, I move a lot, and I think that's always, it's easier for people to have that as their goal going in. But then when they they go to fight me, and I have, like, such a long range, and I, I move, and I do a lot of footwork and boxing, I felt like when that was her game plan the last time, even though she wasn't able to implement that because of my offense. And, you know, my, my style definitely is frustrating for people, and I think it, like, shuts down their game plan. So... You know, maybe she's going to try to, like, be a little bit more aggressive this time. But like I said, last time she was trying to be aggressive. I could see that in the fight. I could see that she was frustrated when I started picking her apart. She was trying to come in, but every time she comes in, I would just, you know, pick her apart and then move. And she was just kind of coming at me straight forward. 
So, you know, and then we did go, she tried to take me to the ground. We went to the ground for a minute and I put her, you know, I did a submission threat. So like I said, like going into this fight, you know, her goal is to take it to the ground. But last time we went to the ground and I almost submitted her. So I think it's a kind of, it'll be a real like dilemma for her, what she should do. Uh, I got one more for you. Cause you, you mentioned that you improve. Now I've interviewed fighters for a long time. They, they say they improve. Some improve, some don't, they, but everybody says they improve. But when do you know that you've actually improved? Because it's one thing when you're sparring and going through camp, but sometimes a light clicks and we've seen fighters become completely different fighters. Did you have that moment recently where you're like, oh shit, this is all coming together? Um, kind, yeah, pretty much. It's like I spar a lot in my in my fights and or my fight camps. And even when I'm not in camp, I still spar a lot. A lot of fighters like only spar, you know, some fighters don't even spar anymore. They're like, oh, it's not good for you. I'm like, well, how are you going to fight if you don't practice it? But I spar all the time. And I, so I think that's the best way to gauge how you're doing. And, um, yeah, I just feel like, I don't know if I'm just like getting older, just more experienced. And I just kind of like, whatever it was, I just kind of hit this click where I'm like super confident, you know, I'm not, not like in a good way. I'm not giving other people as much respect as I used to before. I used to be like, oh, well, they have more experience than me. They're this. And it's like, no, now I'm the one with the, with the experience. And I've been doing this for a long time. I've been competing. You know, I have started like competing in boxing when I was in high school. Like I, I'm the experienced one. And it just something just kind of clicked to like the confidence. And I don't know what it was. There was nothing specific. I can pinpoint it. But I just I think the confidence in, in my abilities and my skills is uh has, is what helped me improve more. Ooh, ooh, I got I got something. Because your striking has always been on point. You talk about boxing. Would you ever, if, if Dana White gave you the opportunity, would you go into boxing? Because it seems like you would thrive there. Yeah, absolutely. I've always, like, I mean, I've won the Golden Gloves. I've had, like, probably, like, 10 or 12 boxing fights before. You know, they were amateur, but, uh, you know, I won the Golden Gloves when I was, like, 16. And then I made it to, like, the quarterfinals for, for New York. And this was when I wasn't even training boxing. I was training, like, kickboxing and would just sign up for the Golden Gloves and just be like, okay, just don't kick. You know, I, boxing's always, like, my favorite my favorite aspect of MMA to train. I train, like, you know, I spar with professional boxers. I go into a boxing gym where it's not an MMA person teaching me striking, too. I go in and have specific boxing um, boxing trainers. I've been working with um, Keith Trimble on Long Island. He uh, corners, uh, he's coach for uh, Chris Algieri. So I've been definitely, like, I love boxing. It's, like, my favorite thing. And I've always said, I'm like, oh, I want to do, like, boxing and, you know, if I had the opportunity to do a boxing fight, like, you know, I've, I've mentioned it to my manager. I was like, oh, what would we have to do? Like, could I, you know, there's a lot of like MMA, MMA fighters doing the crossover with boxing. I'm like, but no girls are doing that. I was like, I would fight like Amanda Serrano. And I would love that if I had the opportunity to do that. I, I think it would be amazing. I think my style is, you know, is very boxing heavy. And I, I would love to do that. I'm campaigning for it now. Caitlin Chukagian versus yeah. Amanda Serrano. Let's. Let's do it. It makes the most sense. I mean, Amanda's been talking, you know, she's done MMA, obviously, and she's talked about having a big fight. I think that fight makes sense. You guys are close to the same weight. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. We could do the, I would do the boxing one first. That's obviously like her wheelhouse. I mean, she's amazing. I love watching her fight. Uh, We could do that. And then after do an MMA fight, I know she's had like two or three MMA fights. We're down for that. I've been trying to like spar with her for like six years. I always messaged her, but she, 
doesn't really get back to me on that one. So maybe that's good. All right, you don't want to spar me, but we can fight. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, listen, New York battle right there, Long Island. I love it. Brooklyn. It makes too much sense not to yeah. have it. Um, no, we appreciate you, Kaylin, for joining us during a busy fight week. Uh, best of luck to you this weekend as well in the fight. Just to let you know, we're on a four-fight winning streak here on the Corner Podcast. Four guests in a row have won. We're going to make it five this weekend. So we'll be watching. Yes, we really definitely. appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much. Good luck in your fight. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.